folks, I am gassy today. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy holidays. Uh, uh, no. My ooh, my gas is holodank. Oh. <laughs> You're fired. Yucky Bobucky. Oh, disrespectful. Where do I pick up my severance check? Oh, oh it was bad. Oh god. I'm sorry, Carrie. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry that we have to be under these blankets together. <laughs> Post White Castle. You're gonna gas me up! I'm sorry. And not in the good way! Remember when I derailed an entire episode? It was a league of their own. Remember that? <laughs> yes! Where I was like, I panicked. <laughs> oh, Carrie, it's so bad! <laughs> Remember that? It's the lasagna! Yeah, it was the lasagna. <laughs> Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where it feels like the very first Christmas to me. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week, Ross and I have chosen two of our favorite holiday cartoons from childhood. Yes. Oh my god, we're going to be talking about the 1996 episode from Hey Arnold, Arnold's Arnold's Christmas. Christmas. And later, we'll also be talking about the very first SpongeBob Christmas special. Indeed. Christmas Who. Christmas Who. It's going to be a fun time, guys. So I just, listen, I'm not saying I'm pepped up and full of holiday cheer, but... We did manage to solve the wah-wah audio problem we've been having the last two weeks. We had it set to Microsoft for shitty. Yeah. When we should have been having it set to Yeti for the microphone. (laughs) Sorry, Murrow. That was really, really tearing me up inside (laughs) that we sounded that way. Did you notice that Finding Nemo and The Incredibles just sounded kind of... Oh, God. Sorry about that, guys. We got it set back to the right thing. Not a trained audio engineer over here. Clumsy thumsy, I guess. Yeah. You didn't mean to. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's this holiday season. Rate, review, and retweet. Rate, review, and retweet, folks. We want to hear about our lovely holiday coverage. We want to hear your thoughts, your comments, your criticisms, please. The best gift you can give me and Ross this holiday season is leaving us a review. Please. Pretty please. Please? (laughs) Do it now. Oh my god. Don't hesitate. Do it now. Now, 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 (laughs) now. Well, I guess we should start with who came first. And that is me. That is you, always. So we're going to do my episode first, guys. We're going to talk about Arnold's Christmas. Obviously, there's no trailer this week. There are not trailers for individual episodes of television shows. Indeed, but... This episode of Hey Arnold is about to reach its 25th birthday. I know. Just like me. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm already 25. Yeah, you're already 25. But this episode aired December 11th, 1996, the holiday season right after I was born. Let's talk a little bit about Hey Arnold. Tell 
telling me in the kitchen upstairs that you haven't visited Hey Arnold in like years. Not since I was a wee wane. Yeah. Not since I was a child. Like literally, I remember we watched it all the time as kids and I love Hey Arnold, don't get me wrong, but it's something that I just think you had more time of than I did. I am a little older. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember the Hey Arnold movie uh-huh. being a huge thing when we were little. That was a big damn deal. Yeah, it was a big damn deal. And I thought Hey Arnold was on for like a decade. No. There were five seasons of it. Yeah, it's just, it's like it's like Jimmy Neutron. It was way too short. Yeah. I think the humor's really smart, and I think it's kind of beyond children in some parts, and I think it covers a lot of different really, I, I have this in my notes for the coverage, but sometimes A. Arnold can just get really existential. Oh, yeah. But still manage to be so lighthearted and funny. The emotional depth of this show can shake you sometimes. Craig Bartlett, what was going on? <laughs> what were you processing here, Craig? Craig Bartlett is, of course, the creator of Hey Arnold. Mm-hmm. This episode in particular, like we said, came out in 1996. It was written by one of the co-creators, Steve Vixen. And uh, you know the other thing about Hey Arnold that I absolutely love? Hmm. The music. Jim Lang. It's all down to show composer Jim Lang. Like this, the theme, the background music, the credits music. So jazzy. It's jazzy. And I am just simply vibing with (laughs) Hey Arnold. You know what I mean? I think narratively... And and some of you youngins won't have any idea what I'm talking about, but I feel in a lot of ways that Hey Arnold is like the Andy Griffith show of our generation. Uh, allow me to explain. Yeah, please. If, if you've never seen Andy Griffith, then y- you should. all you need to know is that it's about a couple of cops living in a sleepy little town where no crime ever happens. <laughs> yes. And so they have to find other idiotic ways to fill their days. And that show can also be sweet and really deep. But in a lot of ways, it's barely about Andy Griffith. It's about Andy Griffith helping all of the people in his life. And Hey Arnold is very much the same. Like, yeah, there are Arnold-centric episodes, but there are a lot more episodes that really have to do with Arnold's friends and how he helps them through their problems. This episode of Hey Arnold we're covering today is considered amongst its fan base and among general viewers as the best episode of Hey Arnold. Yeah, I understand that. Like, it's not only is it emotionally deep, the story itself is very good. It's a very, very good Christmas episode. When broadcasters and syndicators go through what they want to air that this holiday season, this is always chosen. Absolutely. They, they, they always make sure this is on, you know, the guide. It's wrenching in parts. So let's get her weird emotional choice out of the way, huh? <laughs> yeah, well we'll get the we'll get the sappy sad one out of the way first and we'll end on the chaos of SpongeBob. We're not going to do we've got names proper this week because we'll be here all day. Yes. But uh we thought we would just go over the characters that are most relevant to the episodes that we've chosen and talk a little bit about their characters in the larger context of the series. So, playing our titular character Arnold. Arnold Shortman, by the way. That's his last name. Yes. Shortman. Which is always funny because when I found that out, I was like, oh my God, Grandpa calls him Shortman all the time. But that's also his last name. Yeah. (laughs) Arnold is voiced by Torin Caudell. And Arnold, like I said, Arnold is just always ready, willing, and able to help out a person in need. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. He's a good kid. We love Arnold from whom all blessings flow. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And playing his very best friend in the world, Gerald Johansson, we have Jameel Walker-Smith. Gerald is, uh, like I said, Arnold's best friend. And he's also kind of the lore keeper of this entire series. Whenever we hear a story about a person who lives in this community, it's usually Gerald telling the story, right? Yes. He's like, gather round, children. In the time of prohibition, on the island they call El. To live the gangster, so ruthless, that his name inspired terror all up and down the Skookumchuck River. They called him Weezin and Playing my favorite character in the series, Ugh. Helga Pataki. Yeah. We have Francesca Marie Smith. Uh-huh. And Helga has always been my favorite character because... I just, I related to her in a lot of ways as a young girl. Outwardly evil, but a softie on the inside. A little bit, uh-huh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, it I... tracks. I, shut up! Uh-huh. <laughs> Be nice to me, it's Christmas! Okay. <laughs> it's December 10th! Don't hit me, it's Christmas! It's December 10th. <laughs> I also had boys I liked that I was... Mean that, to? Not, yeah, that I was mean to, because I didn't want them to know that I was madly in love with them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, like, that repeating bit just never gets old through all five seasons. And then playing Mr. Wynn today, we have Balon Coleman. He is actually a Vietnamese man. Good so, on you, Hey Arnold. Yeah, good on you, Hey Arnold. We don't have any white people doing any racist any, impressions. We don't have any Clevelands up in here. Yeah. And Mr. Wynn is one of the people who lives in the boarding house where Arnold also lives. Arnold's parents died when he was a baby, and he was left in the care of his, of his father's mother and father. And they run a boarding house, and they have rooms that <laughs> complete weirdos live in, by the way. And yeah, Mr. Wynn is just another person who lives in the boarding house. Listen, I know you think we're in Chicago. Yeah, this feels like Chicago to me. Because, like, there's a lot of Polish names. Yeah. and Pataki, Kakowska, you know, whatever. <laughs> but apparently this is a city in the Pacific Northwest where Craig Bartlett is from. Which, okay, I buy that. I it's... think Craig Bartlett's from Seattle. Yeah, that's the thing. The weather is way too good in this city for it to be Seattle. Yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> we present to you... Arnold's Christmas. Not your typical opening to a Hey Arnold episode. No, we don't get that jazzy tune opening. Instead, we get this this lovely little backtrack with bells, and it, it feels very magical. Thanks for the music, Jim Lang. We appreciate you. Like, it's really priming you for the mood of the whole episode. And we open on Helga and her best friend, Phoebe. Helga is big into the materialism of Christmas. What do you most love about Christmas, Helga? <laughs> Are you kidding? The presents! I'm going to make a haul this year. But Helga... Christmas is about giving and sharing, family and friends, holiday spirit. Oh, come off your high horse, sister. As usual, Phoebe is right and Helga is wrong. Yeah, no, Phoebe Phoebe is always next to her and giving her great advice, and Helga is always ignoring her. I love, just, just real quick, you know that episode where Phoebe comes unhinged because what? of the Emily Dickinson thing? The one where she cheats? Yeah, where she like plagiarizes an Emily Dickinson poem. And then she wins a contest for it. Yeah, and then that like little Emily Dickinson doll keeps speaking to her. Like it's haunting her. That's my favorite Phoebe episode. Oh my god. Anyway, back to it. <laughs> 
But yeah, Helga's going on and on about what she thinks Christmas means. Christmas is about presents. It's about getting as much stuff as you can possibly get. It's about money and flesh. It's about shopping like a barbarian. It's about getting yours before the other guy gets his. It's about dropping hands, making lists. Christmas is about... The one thing that Helga wants more than anything in the world this Christmas is the brand new Nancy Spumoni snow boots. Nancy Spumoni must be hot shit. Because these are sold out. Yeah, these these are the turbo man of this episode. Yes. The whole city's been sold out for months. And I was like, Spumoni, why is that familiar to me? There's another character in this series, Dino Spumoni. I've heard that. Yeah, like... I've heard that name. The washed-up singer. Yeah. Those little teacups on the floor. Or, like, Dino. Like, Dean Martin? Yeah, that too. Maybe. Who knows? But, like, I just think that's fun. That's a great little detail. Meanwhile, Arnold and Gerald are having a completely different conversation. Gerald has bought his whole family ties. Even his four-year-old sister, Timberly. Gerald, a plaid tie? He bought a plaid tie for his dad? And Arnold is telling him, like, no, you want to get really personalized gifts for people at the holidays. Show them that you really care and love about them. Yeah, Arnold says presents should always be unique. And I'm like, okay, Arnold, you go ahead and put in your 100% effort as usual. Some of us don't have all that time. (laughs) And, you know, they're walking down the street and they pass Helga and Phoebe. And this is where we get one of my favorite bits that repeats throughout this series. Helga always goes into a tirade about how awful she thinks Arnold is. She's unhinged about Arnold. <laughs> Helga is 100% unhinged about Arnold Shortman. Arnold, what a goof. What a sap. What a holiday fool. How I revile his very existence. And yet... I love him, his awkward gait, his half-lidded gaze, his brave, if misguided, concern for those less fortunate. I must find the perfect gift for my beloved. She is obsessed with Arnold. She has a shrine to him in her closet. The shrine? (laughs) She's upset in the head. Like, ah. And like, she always goes right into this bit and then comes out with, and yet... I love him. Yeah, no, like, she's just she just has this obsession with him, but then outwardly to the general public acts like he's the worst fucker in her way. Like, she's always calling him football head, and she calls Gerald tall hair boy all the time. I'm like, Helga, you can do better than that. Yeah, come on. Okay, first of all, that was weak, Miss Pataki. <laughs> okay? She is nine years old. Then we go back to the boarding house where Arnold lives, right? Yeah. They're going around and they are pulling names for Secret Santa among all of the boarders. And we meet all the people who live in the boarding house. Who are? Grandma and Grandpa and Arnold to start with. They're all one little unit. And I love, you know, Grandpa's voice by Dan Castellaneta. Homer Simpson. Yeah, Homer Simpson. (laughs) So that's all of us. It's time to pick your secret Santa. And then we also have Grandma, who doesn't know what year it is. Oh, well, I'm off to raise the Titanic. (laughs) That's my favorite Grandma line in the whole series. I love that. (laughs) We also have Ernie Potts. Uh Uh-huh. He's the really short dude who likes to wreck buildings. Who looks like a hammerhead shark in the face. Just a little bit, yeah. yeah. And then we also have the chaotic couple of Oscar and Susie Kakoshka. Oscar Kakoshka is the most annoying animated character ever. (laughs) You know, I think you have a very good case for that, honestly. I am not going to attempt his accent for obvious reasons. <laughs> Kaka! 
Sashka, you bum. You wrote your name on all the slips. Okay, okay, it was a joke. A Christmas joke, eh? Well, you're tight prankster, eh? Okay, we'll start over. He and Susie are always on the brink of divorce. They should be. <laughs> He's, He's so insufferable. He's put his name in the San in the Secret Santa Bowl eight times. He's trying to rig Secret Santa. <laughs> And then we have kind of our main character for this episode, the main boarder, which is Mr. Wynn. Yeah, Mr. Wynn. This is going to be a Mr. Wynn episode. They're drawing names from the Secret Santa Bowl, and Arnold draws Mr. Wynn's name for Secret Santa. And like many of the viewers at home, Arnold is just now realizing he doesn't know shit about Mr. Wynn. That, the, the wistful, somber shot of Mr. Wynn staring lonely into the fire. Yeah, like... <laughs> he doesn't have anybody. He always gets depressed around this time of year. He's a single man living in this boarding house, you know? All these other weirdos. And he doesn't seem to have friends, you know? Yeah. And so, Arnold doesn't want to get him a dumb tie for Christmas. He wants it to be special. Gerald says just get him a tie. (laughs) (laughs) Gerald, that's not the answer for everything. And so, Arnold goes to visit Mr. Wynn in his room in the boarding house to kind of, like, get some recon on his life. Is there something special you want to talk with me about, Arnold? No, no. I just wanted to say hello and, um, just see how you're doing. Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. I wish I had some candy to offer you. I never have any candy around here. Oh, do you like candy, Mr. Wynn? No, no, no. Candy is bad for my stomach. Can we talk about the banana wallpaper? I didn't notice. Yeah, Mr. How did you not notice? Mr. Wynn. I was too concentrated on them. I know. Mr. Wynn's wallpaper is purple with yellow bananas on it. Hey, maybe he didn't choose that. (laughs) That sounds like a Gertie decision to me. (laughs) That sounds like a grandma decision to me. You know what? You're right. (laughs) This little recon mission isn't going super well because, you know, Mr. Wynn has everything material he needs. He's a simple dude. Like, he doesn't need anything fancy. But you know the one thing he doesn't have? His daughter. Yeah, this is where we get the backstory on why he gets so depressed at Christmas. He starts waxing nostalgic about his life in Vietnam when he was a young man with a family. And here's the thing. They never say it's Vietnam. But it's obviously Vietnam in the visual retelling of this complicated story. Yeah, it's obviously Vietnam. I wrote, oh God, not Nam. Yeah, he lived in Vietnam with his little daughter, Mai, during the Vietnam War. And he had all the same dreams for her that all parents have for their children. But war really complicates that. At night, I used to dream about our future together, to watch my grow up and go to school, to see her be happy. But there was a trouble in my country. There was a war in the north, and every day, the fighting was coming closer and closer. This all eventually culminates in the fall of Saigon. Yes. Like, that's not exactly what it looks like in the animation, but it's what it is. The the image of the last American helicopter leaving Vietnam. Yeah, that's a famous image yeah. from all depictions and of the Vietnam War. We saw this kind of earlier this year with everyone clambering in Afghanistan for the last American plane that leaves. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was tough. It's that same horrific image from Saigon of everyone trying to get on that last helicopter. Please, God, take us with you. He wanted to get out of the country with Mai, but there's no more room left on this helicopter. They could take maybe one more person. Then I had to make the most 
difficult decision of my life. I knew I had to do the best thing for mine. I knew if I gave mine to the soldier, they would take care of her. They would find a home for her. And then, as soon as I could, I would get out of the country and find her again. This is heartbreaking. I know. Like, he, he gives Mai to the soldier, and the soldier yells out the name of the city they live in. Which we don't even know. Yeah, we don't know. What, <laughs> As the audience. Yeah, yeah, we don't know what that is, but he's like, hey, I'm taking her here. This is where she'll be. And it took him 20 more years to get out of Vietnam. Yeah, to get to America, yeah. And then he finally showed up in this city looking for her. And has never found her. Yeah, it's like, I would give anything to see her again, to know that she is happy. Oh, Mr. Wynn, how sad. Oh, my God. And so, you know, Arnold, <laughs> all of what, nine, ten, <laughs> yeah, he's decides he can do this. Yeah, on the day before Christmas. <laughs> He has decided that he is going to try and find Mr. Wynn's daughter for him. So Arnold and Gerald end up at the Federal Office of Information, question mark, that's, question mark? That's funny to me. <laughs> Being a government employee, that, that, that's funny to me. Every government employee is busy having a Christmas party, but they happen upon Mr. Bailey, who is a uh, supervisor. Which is a reference to what classic Christmas movie, Ross? It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, it is. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. George Bailey. Absolutely. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. He's still at it at the computer. And Arnold explains the whole situation. We're looking for a missing person named Mai Wynn. We think she lives somewhere in the city. So what do you want me to do about it? Uh, we thought you could find her for us. Please? She was separated from her father by a war. He's a really good guy. He's a friend of mine. I want to bring them together for Christmas. But Mr. Bailey says, no. Listen, I I work for the government. I'm heartless. (laughs) I'm heartless and I'm busy. I'm not going to help you today. And Mr. Bailey has done uh, what most men do at Christmas time. Wait to the last goddamn minute. (laughs) He's got a whole Christmas shopping list to get taken care of before everything closes tonight. And so what Arnold and Gerald decide to do is like, hey, we will do your Christmas shopping. If you will just put in the minimum effort possible to find this person... We will do your Christmas shopping for you. Which, listen, guys, it sounds like a big damn deal to find one person in a big city, but I've actually run background checks before as part of my job. They have her full name and her relative date of birth. Yeah. Like, that. it would be so easy to find her with those two pieces of information, even in 1996. But he's like, no, I'm Mr. Bailey. You must go above and beyond. (laughs) He's like, get everything on the list for me, and I will find your my win. Hey, go to every retailer in the city to do this Christmas shopping. They are getting everything on the list. And while they're doing that, Helga is on a journey of her own. Trying to find the best Christmas present possible for Arnold. Yeah. Which she's not, which she's going to do anonymously. Yes. To prevent him from knowing how in love she is with him. She's agonizing over this because she can't find the right thing. She's tearing out her pigtails over this. And she runs into Arnold and Gerald in the store. And she's got this expensive video game in her hand that she settled on. Uh Uh-huh. Frozen Tundra Death Warrior 7000. That's right. I guess if somebody got a present like that, they'd be pretty impressed by whoever gave it to them, don't you think? Well, I don't know, Helga. Basically, it's kind of an expensive flashy gift that isn't really personal and doesn't necessarily express any real feeling or understanding of the person you might be giving it to. Shut up, Gerald. (laughs) You got everyone in your family, including your younger sister, a tie. (laughs) 
And you're going to judge this gift? Yeah. Come on. And as Arnold and Gerald are leaving the store, they drop the shopping list. And she picks it up and sees that the only thing left on their list is a pair of Nancy Spumoni snow boots. Guess what the whole city's been sold out of for weeks, guys? Nancy Spumoni snow boots. I love it when they go into the shoe store and they ask for a pair and the sales clerks laugh at them. Literally every retailer in the city they go to looking for these snow boots is just laughing. They're just laughing at him. And he's like, oh yeah, we'll put you on the waiting list. You'll get them by July. (laughs) So yeah, they get laughed out of every retailer in the city. And Gerald's like, listen, Arnold, we're just going to have to tell him we tried, but no Nancy Spumoni snow boots. And of course, Mr. Bailey is going to back out of the deal just because they didn't find the most popular gift of the holiday season. This heartless prick. We made a deal. (laughs) Everything on that list and I'll find you your person. So he's not going to help them. And it gets real low there for a second. Arnold and Gerald are on their way out of the office. Arnold is sulking. And he's like, he's like fully describing the situation. Yeah, I also I also noted on this. Okay, yeah, way, way to go, Arnold and Gerald, laying out the air entire dilemma while Helga is listening behind a phone pole. <laughs> I needed a miracle, I guess. Just couldn't get one. Hey, Arnold. You did all right, man. You tried harder than anyone else I know. All for Mr. Wynn, a guy who's alone in this country. The stuff you did is more important than a bunch of presents. It's more important than some dumb snow boots. What you did, well, that's what Christmas is all about, Arnold. And so Helga goes home to- The Pataki Christmas looks annoying. (laughs) Yeah, she's got a dad named Bob. He runs a beeper empire. Her mother, Miriam. She doesn't call her mother mom. She calls her Miriam. That's that's dysfunction. It is. And speaking of dysfunction, I don't know if y'all have ever noticed this before, but you know how Miriam is always laying down- and having a headache and drinking smoothies. I think she's living on gin. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know what I mean? I think that Miriam's an alcoholic. I also, also, Miriam's voice. Helga! Where have you been all day? Out, Miriam. Honey, you look depressed. Why don't you open one of your presents now? That's Kath Salsi. That is Kath Salsi. I was like, I knew it had to be somebody I recognized. That's some um, uh, power lesbian, Betty DeVille. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Uh, yes, uh-huh. from Rugrats. And you know on you know sometimes on Christmas you'll get to open a present on Christmas Eve. Yes. You know. So Miriam hands her this box and Helga tears into it and it's a pair of the snow boots. It's a pair of Nancy Spumoni snow boots. Helga puts them right on uh-huh. and takes to the street in a daze. <laughs> She's so excited. She's for- dancing around in her new snow boots. But shocker, she feels really guilty about the fact that Arnold couldn't get a pair for Mr. Bailey. Hold on. I I, I understand. I understand what you want to say here. But I literally, after that list fell out on the ground and she was reminded of that, Uh I literally wrote, oh no, not another moral dilemma. And then she said it. And then she said it. Not another moral dilemma. (sighs) Okay. On the one hand, I've got what I wanted for Christmas. I'm happy, and that's really all that matters, right? But on the other hand, I've finally discovered the one perfect thing Arnold wants for Christmas. <laughs> Aw, criminy, not another moral <laughs> dilemma. She talks it out to herself. <laughs> it's the best. This is big kicking and streaming energy. <laughs> 
And so Helga runs to that information office as Mr. Bailey is leaving for the night. Like, he's on his way out, and she is trying to appeal to his sense of humanity to get him to help these boys. She's literally like, listen, the boy I love, his entire worldview is at stake. (laughs) Yeah! And I'm like, Helga! (laughs) For pity's sake, are you that cold? Look into your heart. And we've got a choice here. Either you and I work all night to find a certain lost daughter, or you can leave now. But if you leave now, that little football-headed kid will never believe in miracles again. Oh, Helga. I know. Maybe you're not the horrible twit I think you are. Yeah, she's got, she does have a good heart, even if she is rough around the edges. And you know what? Helga does end up being the miracle worker. Oh my god, cut to Christmas morning. Everybody in the boarding house is opening up their presents. Arnold's depressed. And there's no present for Mr. Wynn under the tree. And he's also he's doing that thing again where he's got the pipe and he's staring listlessly into the fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> Arnold's about to explain the whole horrible situation to him. And then the doorbell rings. And Grandpa... Thinks it's more Yuletide pranksters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, like... We see Mr. Wynn standing at the fireplace, and he turns around, and there's Mai! Yeah, 20-something-year-old Mai! Oh my god! And, like, they recognize, he, they recognize each other immediately! Father? Mai? Can't believe it! Mai! Is it really you? Look at you! Everyone, this is my, my daughter. Hello, everyone. Arnold's like, I don't understand. And Gerald's like, maybe we don't need to understand everything. And I'm like, okay, there is still part of me that wants Arnold to know it was Helga. I know. I also want Arnold to know it was Helga, but like... I know the series needs to go on with Arnold thinking Helga hates him. Uh Uh-huh. But like... Come on. And then, you you know, we cut outside, and Helga is standing outside watching through the window, smiling. Merry Christmas, Arnold. Oh, it's so nice! Uh, it's so good, isn't it? I do like that he didn't know it was her, because that's not what it's about. You're right. It's not about her getting credit for it. It's about her... Making sure he made the miracle happen. I guess. And just think about the scale of what they did in those 22 minutes. That's his whole life come back to him. Yeah. That's his whole life. Everything he was working for at the beginning come back to him after all this time. And now she's back in his life. Yeah. Oh, it's so nice. Reunion is a powerful thing. And, you know, it does happen a lot in the holiday season. It's so good, isn't it? It's so good. Remember at the end of, uh, remember at the end of, uh, Home Alone, when Mr. Marley reunites with his son and family. I am, I am Southside Shovel Slade about that. (laughs) I remember that joke. That was a good joke. And, you know, the other thing I love about this episode is... Not only is it a very emotionally deep episode and a very good Christmas episode by itself, but it's one of the first Western depictions of the Vietnam War that's about the Vietnamese people's pain. Yes. Like, think about Vietnam depictions in Western media, like Forrest Gump. Yes. Full Metal Jacket. Yes. Apocalypse Now. It's all about the American side of things. Yeah, all about the American soldier's pain and how bad it was over there, which, don't get me wrong, 
a lot of very brave men saw some really horrible shit and didn't come back in one piece. Like, I'm not taking that away from anyone, but like, we actually get to hear about how that conflict separated families, ruined lives, and it's just, it's not something we hear very often mm-hmm. in American media. So yeah, that's why I picked that episode. That just, that lives in a very cozy corner of my heart. From one of your favorite shows. Yeah, and I, I love revisiting it every year, and it's just, ugh. Go watch it, guys. It's on Hulu. It's one of the best. Okay, now that we've got your sad thing out of the way. (laughs) Now we're going to talk about some nonsense. Let's talk about one of the longest running animated TV series of all time. I mean, yeah. Guys, I think it might be my favorite animated series above all else. Because how could it not be? It's almost as old as I am. It's been with me my entire life. I just said the same thing twice. It's just, it's one of those shows that no matter how nonsensical, no matter how absolutely abhorrent, it still manages to touch my soul with light and joy and pleasure. That is the magic of SpongeBob SquarePants. (laughs) SpongeBob SquarePants was created by animator and marine science educator Steven Hillenberg. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Steven, my goodness. And this episode is from 1999. Yep. Like, it's the very first Christmas special. And it was written by Steven Hillenberg, Walt Dorn, and Paul Tibbet. It is the story of the very first Christmas in Bikini Bottom under the sea where SpongeBob and all of his little friends live. I mean, like, guys, if you're my age, Carrie's age, you remember sitting in front of your TV. Oh! Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Serving in yellow and porous is he. If nautical nonsense be something you wish, then drop on the deck and flop like a fish. Ready? SpongeBob SquarePants tells the story of a kitchen sponge. Living at the bottom of the deep blue sea in a place called Bikini Bottom. And fun fact, Bikini Bottom exists in the Pacific Ocean near Bikini Atoll. Where's that at? It's a United States territory. It is a nuclear test site in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Oh yeah, that's supposedly the theory about why it's so whack in Bikini Bottom. (laughs) Yeah. Why these fish can talk and have fires (laughs) underwater. We follow five principal characters in Bikini Bottom. We have SpongeBob SquarePants, of course. He works at the Krusty Krab restaurant as a fry cook. (laughs) He works with his neighbor Squidward, who is an old queen. (laughs) He's an old squid queen who likes to play his clarinet and think he's an artiste. A very pretentious squid who is always a Scrooge about everything. Yeah. And uh, SpongeBob is just trying to be his friend and bring some joy to his life. His best friend is a starfish named Patrick who has a less than average IQ. <laughs> yes. And uh, he's just his big, pink, dumb friend. You I know? love Patrick. SpongeBob's other best friend is Sandy Cheeks, a squirrel <laughs> from Texas who is an accredited scientist <laughs> and engineer. She's just come down here to live and study marine life. She lives in an air bubble. <laughs> 
like a dome with a treehouse in it. Yeah. It's great. He also works for a capitalist crab. <laughs> Eugene Krabs, the owner of the Krusty Krab. Money, money, money. Mm. When he's, whenever he's falling asleep. Money, 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 money. <laughs> money, money, money. SpongeBob is voiced by legendary animated voice actor Tom Kenny. He's probably been on here with us before. We just don't realize. Yeah, probably as additional voices or something like that. Tom Kenny works a lot. His filmography could be a database of its own. Voicing Squidward is Roger Bumpus. Roger Bumpus has been with us before. He was with us when we did Spirited Away. He was additional voices for that as well. SpongeBob. Voicing Patrick Starr, we have Bill Fagerbake. I love him. I do, too. He does an amazing job. Voicing Sandy Cheeks is Carolyn Lawrence. Please welcome her back to Kicking and Streaming. She is the voice of Cindy Vortex. Oh, my God. On Jimmy Neutron. I completely forgot about that. Yep, exactly. She's had those two roles, you know, for most of our lives. (laughs) And she's always had this one. Obviously, Jimmy Neutron was canceled. Why? It's a crime. Why? (laughs) How is Fairly Odd Parents still airing and Jimmy Neutron is not? I'll never understand it. And voicing Mr. Krabs is, of course, Clancy. Brown. He's been with us on Kicking and Streaming before. Additional voices, yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. These, these voice actors have had the checks constantly coming in for 20 years. I'm glad. I'm happy for them. So they've always had job security in SpongeBob SquarePants. In addition to voicing SpongeBob, <laughs> Tom <laughs> Kenny also plays a live action character on the show called Patchy the Pirate, who lives in Encino, California. <laughs> And is president of the SpongeBob SquarePants fan club. That's one of the greatest little background details they ever created on that show. Squawk! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! That's right, party. It is Christmas. And there ain't nothing better in the seven seas than a bikini bottom Christmas. It sure is a magical time of year. Patchy is opening fan letters with Potty the Parrot. His lovely little puppet sidekick. That puppet-ass parrot. That puppet-ass parrot. You can, the the strings that it's on are like bright white. They're so visible. When he gets frustrated with Potty and yanks him down and you see that man fall down past the camera. (laughs) With the Wilhelm scream. Oh, I love that. Patchy tells Potty that there wasn't always Christmas in Bikini Bottom and decides, hey, the best way to round out this Christmas special is to tell you about the very first Christmas in Bikini Bottom. And this takes us into Christmas Who. Yeah, the title card is Christmas Who. many things about the surface world, SpongeBob learns about the concept of Christmas through Sandy. Yeah, SpongeBob is trying to sneak up on Sandy to give her a surprise beating. Because <laughs> they, they train karate together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, I phrased that so badly. <laughs> they do karate together, Ross. She, he is always sneaking up on her tree dome and peeking in. <laughs> it's entirely clear. Why can't she see him standing there? I know. And I love when he's like, what diabolical act is she committing now? <laughs> And all she does is put Christmas tree lights on her tree and lights it up, and SpongeBob thinks her tree is on fire because <laughs> he doesn't know what Christmas lights are. So I guess there's no fire. What in the name of the Alamo is wrong with you, SpongeBob? Ain't you never seen a Christmas tree before? Christmas who? 
and a very wet Sandy then has to explain to him that this is Christmas. I can't believe you haven't even heard about Christmas. So SpongeBob just absolutely giddy with delight and wonder. The big eyes when he learns about Santa Claus. Oh, God. He starts spreading the gospel of Christmas throughout Bikini Bottom. He's telling Patrick... Mr. Krabs and Squidward about it at the Krusty Krab. I love it when it cuts to the Krusty Krab. And everyone pretends to like the fruitcake. (laughs) (laughs) No one ever eats the fruitcake, guys. They're either building houses with it or tossing it in the trash. And he tells them about Santa Claus. You write to Santa Claus of the North Pole, tell him what you want for Christmas, and he brings it to you on Christmas Eve. But the best part is, you can write a letter to this guy, Santa Claus, and tell him what you want, and when he comes, he brings it to you. Just like a genie! (laughs) I can't believe anybody would celebrate a holiday where a jolly prowler breaks into your house and leaves gifts. Like a genie? Squidward is going to be a Scrooge about all of this. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we all saw that coming. I love it when he's like, why would anyone celebrate a holiday where a prowler breaks into your house? (laughs) Thank you, Squidward. (laughs) We appreciate it. And like, of course, Squidward doesn't want to write a letter to Santa. He's too cool for this. But they all take to writing their letters to Santa. And uh, (laughs) Patrick keeps coming back. SpongeBob, I ripped my paper. (laughs) And he gives him another sheet, and he gives him, like, two sheets before we finally see what he's doing to rip his paper. (laughs) He is holding the pencil between his knees. (laughs) Point up. And tracing the paper along the tip of it. Dear Santa. Oh, not again. Here, Patrick, watch me. Dear Santa, what do I want for Christmas, you may ask? All I want is for you to visit the gentle folk here in Bikini Bottom. That is my wish. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god. And so um the way that it's just the way he's drying but not succeeding. I know. That's one of the things about SpongeBob I think that sticks with us and stays with us is SpongeBob is uh terminally optimistic and friendly. Like Gavin. A little bit. <laughs> like you, you just you can't bother SpongeBob. You like, you can't make him sad easily. I kind of wish we were doing this recording with Gavin right now. I know. I re- I know he's right upstairs, but I wish he was down here talking about this with us right now because he's your little Christmas self, isn't he? Yes, he is. Like you would love for you you think I think Gavin would be just the person to bring Christmas to Bikini Bottom. <laughs> yeah. You want to know why? Why? Gavin is SpongeBob. <laughs> He's your little SpongeBob. I love it. So in f- in 30 seconds, SpongeBob has devised and designed this mechanism that will shoot their letters to Santa up to the surface. <laughs> In bottles. You put your little message in the bottle, and he has this little machine where he cranks it, and it shoots it to the surface. Tell me what Patrick's Christmas wish is for Santa. Another piece of paper. <laughs> and in his bottle is just a torn and half piece of paper <laughs> that, he wrote, that he tried to write his letter on again. Oh, my God. And before you know it, SpongeBob's got the whole town involved. Oh, yeah. Everyone has their Christmas wish list for Santa that he is repeatedly shooting these bottles to the surface. I love the noise the mechanism makes when you fire it because it's just a duck. I love that. That sound effect is all throughout uh-huh. all throughout SpongeBob no matter what. This takes us into Very First Christmas, Aww. a song that they wrote for the episode. It's like we get a song. It's shaping up to be a wonderful holiday, not your normal average everyday 
sounds like someone felled by old coral tree. SpongeBob Patrick, why'd you do this to me? They are chopping down Squidward's coral tree. <laughs> Sounds like someone fell my old coral tree. SpongeBob Patrick, why'd you do this? They don't care they're destroying his property. They're dancing around in circles. And they're putting jellyfish lanterns on it, making it light up real pretty. My favorite image is when they're singing but being buried in garbage. He's just tossing trash out his window to get them to be quiet. And I love at the end of the song where everyone's gathered around the big coral tree. Everybody but Squidward is having a good time. A star on top will complete all the scenery. <laughs> and then I love at the end when they're all singing. And things are as good as they seem to be. A star on top will complete all the scenery. This Christmas feels like the very first Christmas to me. When the song's over, SpongeBob realizes that Squidward is the only one who hasn't written a letter to Santa, and it's a five-alarm emergency. So SpongeBob runs to make sure Squidward writes his letter. I love it when he interrupts him playing his clarinet, but not really. (laughs) The record player is playing clarinet music, and Squidward is pretending to play his own clarinet. Pathetic. I'll help you get started. Dear Santa Claus. SpongeBob, forget it. Right, too formal. Hi, Santa. SpongeBob, no. Howdy, Claus. I'm not writing a letter to a figment of your imagination. But Squidward, when Santa comes, you'll be the only one without a gift. I love it when he's like, I am not writing a letter to a figment of your imagination. (laughs) I do not believe in Santa Claus. No one will listen to Squidward, though. I Everyone know. wants him in the holiday spirit. And when he decides to finally go to bed, and he's like, those poor suckers are going to be all the, out there all night, like the Grinch. And he's like, they'll wake up in the morning and they'll all cry. <laughs> yeah. And then he just hears everyone start very loudly going, Santa's coming tonight, tonight. Santa's coming tonight. Santa's coming tonight, tonight. Santa's He's like, come on, people, let's sing until Santa comes. And then it transitions to the morning and everyone's Santa's coming night and night. Santa's. And finally that one fish is like, hey, where's Santa? And everyone realizes it's a big lie. Oh, no, yeah. That one fish in the brown pants that they always give the great lines to. It's like, thanks for the lies, Mr. Fairy Tale. Yeah. When that snowman comes to life and just slides away. <laughs> no, because like Patrick goes. Never trust a genie. And walks away and that snowman is staring at him and just automatically turns the other way and starts sliding away. (laughs) Also, why is it snowing underwater? (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, because Squidward is kind of the worst, he's rubbing this in SpongeBob's face. Oh no, Squidward's gonna be a (laughs) about it. (laughs) (laughs) He, He gets a camera. SpongeBob is so defeated and upset and sad. Mm-hmm. And he's like, come on, I want to get a picture of you. Oh, I see a great Christmas photo. Uh, can you move in a little? Say Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Aw, 
our first Christmas. His big eyes and his droopy nose and mouth. He's so sad. And <laughs> he guys, says, say Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Like, when SpongeBob is upset, I'm upset. And then <laughs> he takes that horrible picture of SpongeBob. And then while Squidward's laughing, imposed in front of him on the screen is a faded donkey. <laughs> This Christmas feels like the very first Christmas. The first Christmas is this Christmas, cause it feels like the first Christmas to me. <laughs> what a clever way of saying he's being an ass. <laughs> so SpongeBob is broken over this, so disappointed. SpongeBob says Christmas is stupid, but he still got Squidward a present. I need to talk about this for a thousand years. He didn't want him to feel left out when he didn't ha- when because he wasn't going to get anything from Santa because he didn't write a letter. And like guys, SpongeBob went to all this trouble to take a piece of driftwood and hand carve a wooden clarinet with Squidward's name on it. And when you press a little button on it, little Squidwards come out of the holes and play the clarinet. And he's like. SpongeBob, and he's like, "You're welcome," <laughs> dragging his teary head along the ground. <laughs> All of a sudden, Squidward is feeling like a jackass. Imagine that. <laughs> so he's like, "Okay, I've upset the one sea creature that's impossible to upset. I'm a horrible person." So Squidward decides to dress up like Santa and pretend to be him to make SpongeBob feel better. Oh my God! And when he sees. Squidward for the first time, it's like his whole world is all right. All right, I'm Santa. Santa, this is the greatest gift you could have given me. Thank you for bringing Christmas to Bikini Bottom. I didn't bring Christmas to Bikini Bottom, SpongeBob. You did. I did? (gasps) And then he faints. And, like, that was SpongeBob's one wish, right, for Christmas. Indeed. Was for Santa to come and bring Christmas to Bikini Bottom. But Squidward turns around in his Santa getup, and there's a child. (laughs) Where's my gift, Santa? (laughs) So Squidward runs in his house frantically, finally grabs a wrench, and gives it to her as a present. She's like, thanks, Santa. Here you go, little girl. Ho, ho, ho. Thanks, Santa. That almost felt good. Then he turns back around, and everyone in Bikini Bottom is lined up for a present. Hey, Santa, where's my present? And mine! And what about me? Ah, let's see what Santa has for all you good people! And Squidward gives away all of his earthly possessions as Christmas presents. His house is empty. He gave all his shit away! I love it when he gives, because like I think Patrick wanted a wristwatch. Yeah. And Squidward hands him a clock, and Patrick punches, punches through the clock, <laughs> and he's just got that broken clock around his wrist. <laughs> and like SpongeBob shows up, and he's like, Squidward, you missed him. Santa was here. His nose was huge with Christmas joy. <laughs> And, uh, and I love that he, like, just turns SpongeBob around and pushes him out the door, <laughs> and he's still walking and screaming as though he's still talking to him. Like, go be joyful somewhere else. And then on his front step, he finds an actual letter from the actual Santa Claus. Huh? What's this? Dear Squidward, thanks for all your help. 
You've been a real good boy this year. Warm regards, Santa Claus. <laughs> and Squidward looks up and sees Santa and his reindeer silhouetted on the skyline. Ho, ho, ho. And it cuts to that weird live action Santa <laughs> who keeps gyrating his head around. That's a crew member. I bet it is. <laughs> I bet it is. I think his name's Mike Bell. And then after looking at that, he goes, Squidward goes dead behind the eyes and goes, Yep, I'm insane. <laughs> Oh my god. Cut out of the episode to Patchy the Pirate playing with his SpongeBob figures. Yeah, he's like role playing with SpongeBob figurines. Oh no, there's a storm. (laughs) Turn on the weather channel. (laughs) And then you hear a crew member yell, Patchy! Trim the sails! Hoist the yard arms! Turn on the weather channel! Ah! Oh, hi, kids. Boy, that SpongeBob makes me as jolly as a Roger. Well, I hope you enjoyed SpongeBob's Christmas tale, and I hope your Christmas is better in sunken treasure. And then Patchy wants someone to kiss him. I know. With the mistletoe. And I'm like, these are children watching, Patchy. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. (laughs) And then the famous French narrator. Well, it looks like Patchy's pretty busy at the moment, so I'll say it for him. Good night and happy holidays. I love it. Yes. There it is, guys. The first Christmas in Bikini Bottom. Honestly, my favorite part of it's just the song. I know. It's a great song. Is that why you picked it for our coverage this week? I mean, like, I was thinking of Christmas episodes. I thought about doing Christmas in the Car from Bob's Burgers. I thought about doing something else. But I I kept coming back to this one. I kind of wanted to do Snowball Effect, too. Yeah. From SpongeBob, but I didn't realize that this is actually 22 minutes. Yeah, I know. So I was like, oh, we'll only do the one. But, you know, I just like the way that it honestly, you know why I did it? I honestly did it because I thought about Gavin. Oh, I mean, uh, Gavin, I'm sorry. I hate to be hate to be mushy, but like it makes me think of Gavin and I love how much Gavin likes the holidays. I don't really get hype for Christmas, you no, know, yeah. not like I did when I was a kid. No, but having Gavin in the family and having him attached to us, you know, he's this time of year. He kind of brings that feeling back for me. Oh, he's going to sob when he hears and this. I, I love him so much and I love that he loves you so much. Oh. And I'm glad that he's probably going to be my brother-in-law someday. Yeah. And I really, I don't know many people alive today like him that actually get this razzed for the holidays. I mean, obviously you see it on social media all the time. Everyone gets so crazy about Christmas, people putting their Christmas trees up on July 31st, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right, you know what I mean? But I I really am glad that, I'm glad to have him in so many different ways, but he always makes me feel actual joy or promotes that I feel actual joy at Christmas time because Christmas is really hard for a lot of people. There are lots of Mr. Wins out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Lots of folks who are missing their families, have seasonal depression. Exactly. Like myself. Yeah, like and myself. Yeah, exactly. But it's so hard to be in a bad mood around When you Gavin. have this Christmas elf in your house? Yes. Absolutely. Buddy the elf, what's your favorite color? And I, I, I because that is what Christmas should 
should be about. It should be about taking joy in the ones you love. I honestly wanted to talk about this because I love Gavin. You're going to make me cry. I'm sorry. I love our editing bay. <sighs> I love our editing bay. Oh, he can hear us talking about it. <laughs> did you did you hear him say? I, I did. Did did did, did, it, did it catch it on the? I did. On yeah. The Guys, that's one Christmas episode in the bag. Oh no! <laughs> Ross is not McReady. I can't wait to get to the latter half of this month. <laughs> oh I'm my. I'm kind of forcing him to do something here. I've never seen our next coverage before, so that will be fun. This was a suggestion of Carrie Ann's way back when. Yeah, I wanted to do this years ago. It's- it's been a suggestion every year we've done this so far. Because there is a famous drinking game in this friend group that is based on this movie. Oh, okay. Guys, next week we will be covering the 1996 Christmas classic, Jingle All the Way. I'm going to take your hesitation when you said classic as an indication of what I have to look forward to. <laughs> No, this guys. is Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah, this is another Schwarzenegger film. Listen, the trailer tickled me, so I'm going to give it a chance. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, guys, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, in these Yuletide times, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, and retweet. Rate, review, and retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little holiday watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom. Um...